Everything that He has for us uh, from the day we got saved is building towards something. It's building to something glorious. It's building to something wonderful for the people of God. And we don't experience it all. We have a taste of heaven. We've been made to sit together spiritually in, in Christ Jesus in heavenly places now. We have the earnest of the Spirit, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and all the comforts of God and the comforter, the counselor, and so forth. But this world, this physical world where our feet are planted is not our home. God is bringing us to our home. He's going to bring us in His time when it is His time and when it's the perfect time. Between now and then, we are to live for God. We are to walk closely to the Lord, to press in to know Him as much as we can, and to hope in that day. Not wish and hope. I think about things you know you wish for. I hope He makes this field goal, right? So my team can win. Maybe He makes it and maybe He doesn't. We're not talking about that kind of wishing. We're talking about a hope in the Lord. A hope is a joyful expectation. That's what it is. It's, it's something, we've talked about this verse from Ecclesiastes, I think 3.11, that God has placed in the heart, eternity in the heart of mankind. He's put it there. So even a lost man, they can try to disregard it and put it out of their thoughts and put it out of their mind and go on and live their life for themselves. But God put it in the hearts of man, not in the hearts of squirrels and rabbits, okay, and oak trees, but in the hearts of men that are created in His image. He has put eternity and, and for those that are redeemed, we have the Word of God. And it tells us about our glorious future. And we're doing a series. I don't know how many weeks we've, we've done two. If you want to go back and, you know, if you missed one and would like to listen to them, they're on the website and on our YouTube channel as well. You can go back and listen to them. But I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. I'm really excited about this, if you couldn't tell. I'm very excited. There's less and less in this world that I'm excited about. Okay? And I'm not knocking anybody that's a big uh, Super Bowl fan. I've been a sports fan and played sports all my life, but it's becoming less important to me by the minute. Okay? It just... And it's not judging you if you want to watch the Super Bowl. My point is the things of God are, are literally becoming more dear to me and more precious to me. And I'm very thankful for that. That's a good thing. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Because one of the prayers I pray for myself is that God would change my affections and, and desires and make them pure and make them holy. You know, that I would not just do what's right, but I would do what's right and want to do what's right. I would do what's right and be happy in doing what's right and be joyful in doing what's right. And so God is, is doing that. And I know He's doing that in all of our lives. But I, I'm very excited about this. In 1 Corinthians 15, <clears throat> we could read the whole chapter. And we're actually going to read a good bit today. So I want to encourage you to flip in your Bibles when we do. Some, some Scriptures I'll just have written down and I'll, I'll give to you. And some we'll turn to and read. And we're going to read a good bit today. 1 Corinthians 15, right now we're going to start at verse 51. Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And just for this morning, right now, we're going to stop there. We are talking about the rapture of the church. We're going to talk about the rapture of the church today. We're going to talk about the rapture of the church next Sunday. And, and I don't know, maybe even one after that. But um, the Lord Jesus is going to come in the clouds. And the most, two, two of the most key, uh, clearest, descriptive passages in the Bible about the rapture is what we just read, and, and even more of this chapter as well, and 1 Thessalonians uh, where, uh, chapter 4 where it talks about, uh, about that as well. And we're going to talk more about that passage next week. Today we're going to spend most of our time here in 1 Corinthians and in Romans. Uh, but there is going to be a day when the Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the same one who came, that's what Jesus, uh, the, the angel said when the apostles watched Jesus go up after the resurrection 40 days after He rose from the dead. 
And they watched him ascend into the clouds at outskirts of Jerusalem. And the angel said, why are you standing up and staring up to the sky? The same Jesus that you've seen go is going to come in like manner. It's not another Jesus. Okay, it's that Jesus. He's going to come in the clouds and he is going to catch away his people. And, that, and the word rapture, we talk about the word rapture. We talk about the rapture biblically. And that word is not in your Bible. I know that you know that. But the, you're not going to look in. We're in my concordances that say rapture. It doesn't say rapture. In First Thessalonians, it says so we will be caught away. Caught away. And if you look up that word in the Greek, it's, har, it's one word. It's harpezo. And it means, I'll give you the definition, to catch away, to snatch away, to grasp hastily. So you get the, the, the picture of something almost violent, but, but something very quick. Okay, and this part is important too to carry off. So it's not just to snatch suddenly, but he's going to carry us off somewhere. He's going to bring us off and he's going to bring his blood bought church to his father's house. We talked about this. No, no Hebrew would have called heaven. They wouldn't call God their father and they wouldn't. They never said that the father's house, but Jesus said that. In my father's house are many mansions. I'm going to bring you to where I am in my father's house. And so the rapture of the church in John 14, 1 through 3 as well. Uh, that's another passage. If you're taking notes, it's good to take notes in, uh, on this study and for the next couple of weeks. Because there'll be some point where either the devil makes you doubt it. Or somebody else, some other Christian you talked to in the church doesn't believe in the rapture, doesn't believe in a preacher of rapture or whatever. And these scriptures are going to be helpful to you to have. If nothing else, just jot down the scriptures. But the Lord's going to come. He'll come in the clouds and he will catch away suddenly and transport to his father's house all people that are born again. Everyone that's saved. Everyone that's truly trusted in Christ and been made new in Christ. That's young people and old people. That's old saints that have served God for many years. That's people that just got saved 15 seconds ago. That's everybody that's born again. The mature, the immature in Christ, those that are living perfectly the way they should, and those that uh, are not, but they're truly are born again. And he, the only qualification is that a man be in Christ. Those that sleep in Christ. Those that are... Uh, alive and remain in Christ. That's who he's talking about. He's not going to bring anybody in the rapture or, or to heaven for that matter that shouldn't go there. He's not going to make some mistakes. He's not going to leave anybody behind and, and forget somebody in the rapture that should go. We don't have to worry about that part. And I, I think about this scripture. I'm just going to quote it to you from 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. This part of the foundation of God, the Lord knoweth them that are His. The Lord knows them that are His. We might think, you know, I sure thought so-and-so was saved. We'll get to heaven one day and we'll see some people. And we, man, I really expected to see so-and-so and they're not here. Uh, and maybe there's people I never thought I'd see him here. And they're in heaven, okay? God knows who's His. The only one that knows perfectly is the Lord. The Lord knoweth them that are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The, the end of that scripture says, I want to tell you this. Nobody's going to get left behind that should go. Nobody's going to go that doesn't know Christ and have, hasn't trusted him and isn't under the blood of Christ at the time of the rapture. This is not. This is fundamental for us. OK, and I believe I, I, I get my fundamentals from the Bible. This is not the second coming. Of the Lord. There are two separate and distinct events according to the scriptures. I didn't, you know, five years ago or ten years ago, I wouldn't have felt like I was treading on, on thin ice, so to speak. But nowadays, fewer and fewer people believe that. Uh, but it is what the Word of God teaches. There's the second coming of Christ, and there's the rapture of the church, which precedes that by at least seven years. The rapture or the catching away of the, the body of Christ precedes the second coming of the Lord by at least seven years. The, the, the second coming of the Lord cannot happen until the end of the tribulation period. It cannot. The second coming of the Lord. We're not talking about the second. He came the first time and born as a babe in a manger 
and lived 33 and a half years, right? And crucified, died for the sins of the world. The Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world rose the third day on the earth for 40 days and ascended. That's saying Jesus is coming back. The Bible tells us he, this is the second coming I'm talking about now. His feet or his foot will touch down upon the earth on the Mount of Olives. When it happens, the mountain will split in half like a crack running from north to south. It will split east to west. This happens at a very specific moment. I've said it before, and we'll talk about it more in the coming weeks. You can, if you knew when the rap and when the tribulation started, you could calculate to the day the second coming of the Lord, and you'd be right on, because the Bible tells us that. Seven years, seven Jewish years of the Jewish calendar, which is 360 years in a day. And, it, and the Bible tells us that. But the rapture is not the same event. The rapture, the Lord doesn't set his feet down upon the earth. The rapture, he, he comes in the clouds. And the people of God, dead and living in Christ, their bodies, were going to be raised up to meet him in the clouds. And he's taken us at that point to his father's house, which is in heaven. Okay, in my father's house are many mansions. So we know that at least seven years separate those two events. And I want to read this about the second coming again. Just jot the scriptures down, if nothing else. This is the second coming. Revelation chapter one, verse seven. Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. Did you hear that? When he comes at the second coming, there's going to be people on the earth. They don't know the Lord. There's people under that align themselves against Israel and Antichrist is heading up these armies and they're coming up, marching on to Jerusalem and so forth. All this is, and it says when he comes at that time, riding on a white horse, okay, and the armies of God following him, well, how could we follow him if we weren't already taken up before that? We're come following him out of heaven to the earth to the Valley of Megiddo or a Battle of Armageddon and so forth. That's another lesson for another day. But that moment is the second coming. Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. I think that's speaking of the nation of Israel and all kindreds of the earth. that be all the Gentiles the nations shall wail because of him. And, and John says, even so, amen. That is the second coming. <clears throat> At the rapture, Believers are caught up or caught away suddenly into the clouds and nobody's going to see. So they can't be the same event. Nobody's going to see that. It happens so quickly and it's from the earth to heaven. It's not from the heaven to earth. Every eye shall see him at the second coming. We just read it. But nobody's going to see at the rapture. What is the characteristics? What are the, I guess you would say that the physical characteristics of the rapture. We're going to hear a shout of God. That's from 1 Thessalonians. We'll look at it next week. A shout of God, the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. That's what the scripture says. So uh, it says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and I know y'all have heard this. I'm, I'm speaking to people that have studied this kind of thing before and heard sermons on it. The twinkling of an eye is not the blink of an eye. Blink of an eye, you could, you know, time it with a stopwatch, I'm sure, if you had, uh, you know, sophisticated enough equipment. It's very quick. It's quicker than a second. Blink of an eye is quick. But the word for twinkling of an eye is atomo. If I'm pronouncing that right in the Greek, it literally means an atom of time. An atom of time. The twinkling of an eye I've heard it described by other ministers as this. I'm sure they've researched it. The twinkling of an eye is the, the speed at which light reflects off the eye. So the sunlight, you walk outside and the light, you know, is, bounces or reflects off of your, your eyeball. Okay? It's the twinkling of an eye. And this is how quickly this rapture is going to take place. There's going to be the shout of God, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and it's going to happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed, the Bible says. At the, raptures, uh, at the rapture of the church, 
nobody's going to see is going to happen quickly. And I want you to turn with me. This is our other uh, key passage for today. This in 1 Corinthians, Romans chapter 8. We're going to read 16 to 23. I told you we're going to read a lot of scripture today. Romans 8, 16 through 23. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you're born again, we have this assurance. I don't need somebody to come say you're saved. Uh, it's wonderful if they do, if they see the fruit of the Spirit in my life and see the change in my life, okay? But we also have this witness, which is even more important. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So now we're dealing with believers. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So we're talking about our glorious future, right? That's what this whole series is about. People in this life, they, you know, Unfortunately, they may long for their parents to die so they can inherit something if they have wealthy parents. You know, kind of look forward to that day. We're joint heirs with Christ. Everything we have is not built up in this life. It is all securely stored up for us in heaven. He's not only going to bless me and you, but He's made us heirs. Not only heirs, heirs of what? We're joint heirs with Christ. It's like we're made co-equals almost with the Lord in our inheritance of all that He has for us. Every believer, from the least to the greatest. We're joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. We're going to talk about this word glorified quite a bit. Glory, glorified and glorification and that and so forth. For I reckon or I believe that the suffering of sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to what the glory. There's that word again, which shall be revealed in us. So there's a glory that's going to come that we have not nearly experienced yet. What we're going through in this life and even the blessings and the, the joys of this life and knowing Jesus are not worthy to be compared. You couldn't even put them beside each other and say, it's almost like that. Or it's one-tenth of like that. It's not worthy to be compared. For the earnest expectation of the creature, that's creation, waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, okay? Not willingly, but by reason of him who has subject, subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious, there's that word glorious again, or one form of it, liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to the wit, to wit, the redemption of our body. This is specifically what we're going to talk about today is the redemption of the body. The rapture has a lot of things we can talk about. We'll talk about next, next week the fact that it's imminent. can happen any moment. But today, I want us to focus on, the Lord would have us to focus on, there is a redemption still to come for people of God. We're saved as we'll ever be. Okay, I'm, I'm as much qualified for heaven by the blood of Jesus today as I'll be a year from now or a thousand years from now. But my salvation is not complete. My redemption is not complete in the sense of this. Our body is not redeemed yet. Our body is going to be redeemed. And that's what he says right here. And so there is a change coming. It's a glorious change. And it's a change from the Lord for the people of God. From the Lord for the people of God. There is this great change that's going to come. Remember political campaigns so many years back. Hope and change, right? America's going to change. Hope and change. Hope and change. And it's just political promises. And, and But what this change that's coming for the people of God is something that God's going to do. It's going to be a glorious change. And there will be a renewed creation. Verse 22 for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. There is going to be a, a, a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. I don't make these things up. They wouldn't come to my thoughts if it wasn't in the Word of God, okay? 
2 Peter chapter 3 talks about a new heaven and a new earth. This present earth globe that we're standing upon is going to be refined by fire, not a flood. The first time it was it was totally covered with water in the flood in Noah's day. The next God promised he'd never do that again. But he's going to refine this earth with fire to where it says the elements are melted with a fervent heat. And that word element there is all like like molecule or atom. It's going to be refined and recreated by God. The same earth is going to be so changed that it's changed to this very most basic element, atoms and molecules. Because this world that we're in now, all of it has a curse upon it. It has a taint to it because of sin. There's a curse of sin. Man's sin. And, and the Bible says, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. As one by one man, that's Adam, sin entered, entered into the world and death by sin. That's death on all creation. Animals, people. It's all a result of sin and mankind's sin. And, and so this creation is going to be renewed. And in that new creation, there will be no, uh, no remnant, I would say, no presence of sin, no curse of sin, no taint of sin. Even if, even if a majority of people on our planet right now are Christians, which they're not, the, the creation, there would still be sin. It would still be tainted with sin. And I just want to read this real quickly. I'm going to read it from Genesis 3.17. And unto Adam, he said, the Lord, this is the judgment on Adam when he had sinned, because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. He's just talking about there's a curse upon even creation. Okay? Because of man's sin. That's going to be changed. God in the future is going to change this creation. But what we're talking about with the rapture, specifically before this earth, this new heaven and new earth and new Jerusalem, this body of ours is going to be changed at the rapture of the church. The saints of God are going to receive a new glorified body. And it's a body that is totally changed and transformed. We read it. I'm going to read it again. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die in the Lord, but we shall all be changed. Every believer. He's writing to Corinthians. The Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, for sure, had a lot of carnality, had a lot of uh, worldliness and things like this in their lives and immaturity. He says, you're babes in Christ. He rebuked them severely. There was horrible sin they had to deal with. And yet he said, you're in Christ. You're babes in Christ. And he says, we shall be, we shall be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and he says it again at the end of verse 52, we shall be changed. And so there's a change coming. And the change is specifically corruptible to incorruptible. Corruptible, you think about, I think about fruit. You know, you leave it sitting out. Or find it in the refrigerator six months later. You know, what is that? It's, you know, taking on a life of its own. It's, uh, it's corrupted. You wouldn't eat it. It's wasted. It's decayed. It's rotten. And that's what these bodies, anybody that's lived more than five minutes knows this body's going from, you know, from, from good to worse. It's going downhill. And so uh, that's corruptible. And it's going to put on in corruption. In corruption. I want to read this from a quote from Dave Hunt. He says, Herein lies another unique element of Christianity. Its heaven, or the, the heaven of Christianity, is not a disembodied spiritual existence beyond the grave, but the eternal abode of resurrected, immortal, glorified beings whose bodies have been reunited with the soul and spirit to live eternally with God. So there is something different. It's not just this nirvana and we're floating around in some disembodied state and some, you know, kind of with our legs crossed or something floating around. 
we're, we're going to receive glorified bodies. Real bodies Amen. that are glorified. And it's a promise to us. And we ought to think about these things. And we ought to be thankful for these things. And we ought to hope in these things. And so, this is a natural body. The, the Bible, we're going to read some scriptures here in a moment. But there's a natural body. And guess what? There's a spiritual body. It sounds almost strange, but sometimes we think of spiritual as just being like this vapor or ghost or some kind of mist out there. There's a spiritual body. I mean, a natural body. That's this one. And then there is a spiritual body. And we go from the change that's going to take place of the rapture. And we'll go from this natural state, which is a temporal state or temporary state, to a glorified body. A glorified body that is for eternal life. Wages of sin. That's the corruption, the taint on this planet. Wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal what life. So there's going to be a transformation even to our bodies that's going to take place. And what does he say? If you're still in Romans 8, look at verse 23. Not only they, not only creation, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Our body is going to be redeemed. The redemption there means full salvation. Full deliverance, okay? And our current bodies are called earthly tabernacles. There's two passages. Uh, I don't know if we'll have time to get to it all, but 1 Corinthians 5 and I'm um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 1 Peter chapter 1. Both Peter and Paul both refer to their physical bodies as earthly tabernacles. A tabernacle is just a tent or a temporary dwelling place. And these earthly bodies are not, for lack of a better word, built for eternity. These bodies are not created for eternity and that eternal state. They are flesh and blood. And they are corruptible. Our bodies are corruptible. Even for saved people that love Jesus with all their heart, our bodies are corruptible. At the raptures, at the rapture of the church, believers will instantly, in the moment of a twinkling eye, be changed. We'll be clothed on with a new body. Incorruptible. It will be fit for heaven. It will be fit for that eternal life in heaven. And it will be like our Lord's body. It will be like Jesus' body that He's in now. Because He's bringing us to His Father's house. Amen? And so... Think about this. Our natural body is corruptible. Even if you're born again, it's corruptible. Uh, it's subject to sickness. It's subject to disease. It's subject to frailty. It's subject to weakness. It's subject to fatigue. It's subject to being disfigured. It's subject to being broken. It's, it, those bodies and those bodies that we have will one day be delivered. Amen. Delivered. The bodies will be delivered. Okay, and we'll receive the, the redemption of the body. And that new body is going to be like our Lord's body. Amen. It said, fit for heaven and like Christ's glorified body, a spiritual body of flesh and bones. And again, I don't pull this out of thin air. We're going to look at the scriptures. That new body that's redeemed at the rapture when we're changed is going to be a body of not of flesh and blood, Right now, what does the Bible say about the blood? The life is in the blood. Physically, right? The life is in the blood. It carries the oxygen, the nutrients. Life is in the blood. And in that heavenly realm, that new home, life is in the spirit. Our new bodies will be flesh and spirit. It's interesting. Jesus shed his blood once for mankind. When he was raised in glorified body, he was raised with flesh and spirit. And that's what our new bodies will be like. And turn back to 1 Corinthians. I want you all to stick with me today. Uh, and we're going to read several passages in 1 Corinthians 15. We'll skip around. But I want us to start in verse 35. 1 Corinthians 15, 35. But some men will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? I'm so glad that the Bible teaches us. So I would ask the same question probably. The Bible teaches us. 
Thou fool, thou which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance be of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it what a body as it hath pleased him and to every seed his own body. So what is this? He's just using another parable here. Another illustration. Say so when you go to sow uh, uh, corn, you know, or, or wheat, whatever, tomato seeds, you're not sticking a full-grown tomato plant or tomato fruit in the ground. You're sticking a tomato seed plant in the ground. Okay? That's the body that you put in the ground, but it's, that's not how it's raised up. It's put in the ground as a tomato seed, however big that is. And God gives it a body as it pleased Him. And He pleased Him to give a tomato plant this kind of body with these leaves and in the right season this beautiful fruit. But you don't take that fruit and stick it in the ground and say, I want some more tomatoes next year. You know, you plant a tomato seed. You plant tomato plants and you, what you sow is not what you're going to reap. God gives it another body. And so let's keep reading. Verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Now we're, we're talking about the rapture of the church and our resurrected body. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. I love this word because he keeps talking about glory. Okay? Glory, it's, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown in a natural body. That's the ones we have now. It is raised in a spiritual body. That's the ones we're going to have. Raised in a spiritual body. We can be spiritual right now. We can walk in the Spirit right now. We ought to if we're Christians. We're born of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And we're to be spiritually minded. I could go on and on. But our body is still natural. And at the rapture, we will be raised in an incorruptible, glorious body that will be a spiritual body. Verse 45 through 50. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, that's Christ, was made a quickening what spirit. Howbeit that which was not that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural. So the natural comes first and after that. Afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also which are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image or the likeness of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Flesh and blood, like we have now, cannot go into heaven. We can't just go into heaven as we are. The Lord knows that. So this corruption's got to put on incorruption. This mortal has to put on immortality. We have to be changed from a life of flesh and blood and a body of flesh and blood and a natural body to a spiritual body of, of uh, flesh and spirit. And I want to read an, another quote here. I've got three quotes from Dave Hunt I want to give this morning in his book, Whatever Happened to Heaven. He's specifically talking about the rapture. He says, in the process of the resurrection, the rapture, there will be a complete transformation to what we call what the Bible calls a spiritual body. We just read it. We will be recognizable for who we are. This is this is his thought, and I would agree with it. We will be recognizable for who we are, yet we will be new and glorious creatures with bodies like our Lord's. Okay? And so I believe that. I believe we'll recognize each other in heaven, but the body will be different. It'll be different. It'll be not just different in a weird kind of way. It'll be different like Christ is different, like his body will be like his body. And so it's, it's really uh, amazing when you think about it, when you know, I'm, I'm going to move on with this. But when a person dies on the planet or anybody that's ever died, their body goes into the ground or the ocean where they are. But it goes back to the earth. The body does. And I'll just read this. Uh, in the, in the sweat of thy face, the Lord told Adam in chapter 3 of Genesis, Thou shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. 
for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. The body, the body of a lost man or saved man goes to the ground. I'm telling you things you know, but we need to hear these things and, and understand what the, what the hope that we have in Christ. So when a person dies, his body goes to the ground. But for a saved man, we have been given the gift of what? Eternal life. So how, how can I keep living if I'm dead? Because God created us a body, soul, and spirit. We're created in the image of God. Even the lost man is created in the image of God. He's marred that and stays lost and he might die in his sin and not have the gift of eternal life, but he lives forever. It's called the second death. That's why we can't call it eternal life. It's called, it's called the second death when they're judged and they'll spend eternity in the lake of fire. And uh, it's horrifying to even think about. Yet that continues forever and ever. Man is created in the image of God. We have a soul and a spirit. So we die. I'm just talking about saved people now. Our body dies. It goes to the ground. But our soul and spirit are eternal. Eternal. Okay? And they, we go to be with the Lord. And there's not a in-between state. There's not a, a limbo. There's not a waiting period. If I was to pull out of the driveway here today and get hit by a car and died instantly, instantly the body's there and the soul and spirit instantly are with the Lord in heaven. That's what the Word of God teaches. Uh, I have another passage I want you to read. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read verses 1 and 2 and then we'll skip down to verse 4. 2 Corinthians 5, 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, that's his physical body, were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. He's talking about our body. We're groaning to be clothed upon. We're already saved. Soul and spirit saved. We're with the Lord. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Not tribulations, not death, not life. But our body. He says we're longing. We're actually groaning for that body. You have to think about the persecution so many Christians have gone through as well. And, and that's a real hope. Skip down to verse 4. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed. He said we don't want to be naked and not have a body, but clothed upon that immortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the self-same thing is God, who also has given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing Rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. It's one or the other. I'm in my body or I'm, I'm in, the, in the presence of the Lord. That's what I said. There's not this in-between state. We'll go do some penance for a few hundred years or five years or whatever. We die. And the Bible tells us. There's one of the scriptures right there. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so at the rapture, I'm going to move on with this. Our Lord will put new clothes on us, so to speak. That's the description that Paul gives here. We're going to be clothed upon with immortality, with incorruption, a glorious body fit for heaven. Amen? Fit for heaven. And uh, for as in Adam all die, it, the Bible says, even so in Christ shall all be made alive spiritually alive, and then one day at the rapture of a glorified body. Now, uh, in the life that's to come, in the glorified body, in that heavenly life where the Lord's bringing us uh, to, to be in His Father's house, there'll be no trace of that first Adam. We still have some trace of the first Adam, as I said, with these bodies, and we still are inclined to sin. We still can sin, let's put it that way. And, and yet, in that new body in that new realm we won't be we won't sin we won't be tempted to sin there'll be nothing there that tempts us to sin and the bible says that uh 
that this is in First Thessalonians. We'll look at it next week. This is for all that are asleep or fallen asleep in Christ. Now, just it's very interesting to know. Never is that phrase used for a lost person. Never does the Bible use those that sleep outside of Christ, those that have fallen asleep. It's always used for believers, those that have fallen asleep in Christ, that are sleeping now, uh, that, and so forth, and, and those who are alive and remain. That's Christians that are still walking on this earth. And at the rapture, the dead in Christ shall rise first, their bodies, their, their spirits have already been in heaven, but their bodies will raise. Again, next week we'll look more at that. And we're going to be clothed on, we're going to, those that are alive and remain, if we're still living at the rapture, we're going to be caught up with them. They're going to go just a hair before us, okay? Just a split second before us. And we'll meet them and the Lord in the clouds. We'll study that next week. But what's going to happen is we'll be clothed with immortality. That word immortality means deathless. Deathless. Okay? And so there's all these superheroes in the cartoons, the comic books and movies. You know, immortal this and immortal that. Only one immortal is God. It says He only has immortality. Okay? And, and so it says, Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach. And then there's another scripture, but now, 2 Timothy 1, 2, 10, is made manifest by the appearing, that's the rapture, of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and had brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So this is a key word when it says immortal. This mortal must put on immortality. It has to do with God. He's the only one that is immortal and the only one that can impart or give that to people. And He imparts it by His life, the life of Christ in us. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because I live, you shall live, Jesus said. It's because He is eternal and endless and immortal that we're going to live forever and He's going to redeem us with new bodies. We're already redeemed. But it's not a fairy tale. This everlasting life and immortality. I'm going to bring this to a close. It's not a fairy tale. This is a promise of God. A promise of God that is much neglected in our churches today. You just don't hear that many preachers preaching on the rapture, glorified body. Like I said, they like to just... There's, there's so much debate on which view is right. The Bible to me is very clear. If I didn't hear one single debate and I just picked up the 66 books of the Bible and started reading it, I would be pretty clear on it. It's when you start listening to other people and pastors and preachers and teachers and seminaries and everything else that you get, oh, there's a debate about this, you know? And if we just had the Word of God and the Holy Ghost teaching us, I don't think we would be confused about it. I really don't. I don't think we'd be confused about any major doctrinal thing that God wants us to know. Uh, but let's look at one more passage we'll read together. Philippians chapter 3. I'm giving you clear, some of the clearest scriptures on the rapture. And one of the clearest of all will be next week in, in 1 Thessalonians. But look at Philippians 3, 20 and 21. <clears throat> For our conversation, that means our citizenship, our civil rights, our city, our state, our society. That's what that word means. For our conversation is where? In heaven. Now. He says it is now. From whence also we look for the Savior. We've already been saved. Why are we looking for Him again? Because He's coming. Specifically, He's coming to rapture His church. And then we will come with Him at least seven years later for His second coming back to the earth. He'll reign in a real thousand year reign and rule. A millennial reign on this earth. And we'll reign and rule with Him. But it says, we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile what? Body. That it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. So I want to close with this. The Bible says that uh, Christ uh, uh, came once, so He was offered once for the sins of many. Hebrews chapter 9. One time. He's not offered over and over and over again. Christ was offered once for the sins of many. And unto them that look for Him. Isn't that what Paul's just talking about right there? We're looking for Him. His appearing. Unto him that look for Him shall He appear. This is appearance. 
The rapture is referred to as an appearance and not the second coming. Unto him that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. That would be like the completion of our salvation, which specifically is the redemption of our bodies. Okay, the redemption of our bodies. And Paul said God is able to subdue all things unto himself. It's by his working. And part of that working is even these bodies to be renewed like Jesus' body. Picture this, when the Lord's through with our salvation completely, and, and then be, there will be a new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, all of that, everything, the Bible says Christ will be all in all. I can't even picture it. I can't even quite put my hands or descriptive term on that. But every Christ will be all in all. It's going to be unbelievable. That's all I can say. Maybe you have a better thought on it than I do. But he's going to subdue all things unto himself. Even these bodies are going to be subdued and be like Jesus' body. And so I want to close with this. Uh, I got uh, one more quote from Dave Hunt. And he says, Jesus said, because... He, because I live, you shall live also. John fourteen nineteen. The ancient apostles' uh, creed, which preceded the Nicene Creed, which was of three twenty five A.D., included this statement: "I believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting." So it's not just we're going to usher in Jesus to some kingdom that we've established for Him. We believe, the early church says, in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. And the Bible says, I'll close with this. Do you come? The Bible says that we are going to be given an inheritance. We're saved to an inheritance. We haven't gotten it yet. Not the fullness of it. Don't forget that the Bible says that the Holy Ghost is the earnest of our expectation of the earnest of the promise. The earnest is like earnest money. It's like, I'm going to buy your house. I'm going to buy this car. I can't get you all the money till next week, but or two weeks from now when I get paid, I'm going to give you $500 now for you to hold it. But it's even, it's even more than that. The Holy Spirit is like a deposit into us that we have all this future coming for us. Glorified bodies, heaven, streets of gold. Guess what? I believe in all of it. I believe all of it. I believe it's all just like the Bible said. And the saints of God through the years have believed it and, and trusted and longed for it and groaned for it. But it says that that inheritance is incorruptible, undefiled. It fades not away. It's reserved in heaven for you, the Bible says, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. We're already saved, but we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. There's two words there. It says that what he has for us, that inheritance is reserved for us in heaven and that we ourselves are kept by the power of God through faith. Both those words reserved and kept means guarded, closely guarded. The Lord himself is guarding over our inheritance and the Lord Himself is guarding over your soul and your life. Unto Him is able to keep you from falling and to bring you with joy into His Father's house. That's Christ our Lord and Savior. We don't keep ourselves. We keep ourselves in the faith. We keep ourselves with our eyes on Jesus. He keeps us. He keeps us through this sin-darkened world. He keeps us when we feel weak. He keeps us when we feel like we're giving up. He keeps us when nobody else thinks that this book's uh, worth a hill of beans anymore and thinks it's an old fairy tale. Fairy tale. He keeps us. He keeps us when the church world has fallen away and doesn't believe in the rapture of the church anymore and laughs at you. If you say, you know, I really believe there's a rapture coming. I really believe that there's a thousand year reign, a literal one thousand year reign of Christ on this earth that's going to be followed by a new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem. I really believe that. And others in the church world laugh at you because so few believe it anymore. He's able to keep us from falling. The Lord can keep us. And guess what? He's going to keep us. And one day, I think very soon, we're going to be there. And we're going to see Him. And we're going to see Him as He is. 
and we will be like Him. I'm not like Him, not nearly like I need to be like Him right now. He's going to make me like He is. He doesn't worry. I worry. He doesn't get depressed. I get depressed. He doesn't get angry and discouraged about stuff and feel like it's hopeless. He doesn't, but I do. I'll be like the Lord one day. Including this body that doesn't want to get out of bed half the mornings or more than half the bed because my back's hurt. He, he's going to renew us and redeem us fully. And, it, and we're going to be like Him. And it's going to be glorious. Y'all stand. I just want us to worship the Lord in this series on the glorious, our glorious future. God wants us to lay hold on it. He wants us to lay hold on it. Number one, it's going to be sooner than we think. Number two, it is for us. It's for us. And, and we're going there one day. We need to be confident of it. It needs to be a hope. It needs to be something that holds us like I said, a soldier going off to fight, they're hoping they make it back home to their family. It, you know, because it's worth they're worth fighting for. We, Christ is worth fighting for and all that He has for us. And He's able to keep us. He wants us to know, be sure in my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to bring you to where I am. I'm going to come back again. That's the rapture of the church because He says, I'll bring you to my Father's house. That's the rapture. Father, we come before you. God, what can we say, Lord? It's almost too much to, to think about it one morning. But Lord God, I want to praise you and thank you that the rapture of the body of Christ is part of my future. It's part of our future. When we said, I do to Jesus, when we said, I believe in this gospel and you saved us, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus and you washed us in your blood and sent your Holy Spirit to live inside of us and made us your own, this became our inheritance. Everything we're talking about. Even a glorified body like unto our Redeemer's glorious body. We praise You. We thank You, Lord God. And God, I pray that You would put hope in Your people and we would long for like Paul did and groan for. He didn't wonder if it was going to happen. He longed for the day when it would happen, even the redemption of his body. God, we praise you and thank you. Help us to live for Jesus until that day comes, to live joyfully, to live by faith, to live a holy life, to live a bold life, testifying of the, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ to lost men. We praise you and we thank you. Look, all the altars are open. Come worship the Lord for a moment here this morning. And thank you before you leave.